Hello and welcome to Push Your Peak with me, Louise Minchin. Each week I'll be joined by some of the world's most incredible sports people who've achieved extraordinary things. I'll be finding out what it takes both physically and mentally to surpass what you think the human body is capable of to achieve your goals. As these people share their stories, I hope you take away the belief that you too can achieve your own goals no matter how big or small. Today, I'm joined by Kevin Sinfield. If you are a rugby fan, he needs no introduction. He's a seven-time Super League champion, two-time Challenge Cup and Triple World Club Challenge winner. He finished his rugby league career as the most decorated domestic professional player in English history and the Super League's record appearance holder and points scorer. Since his retirement, Kevin has pivoted from rugby league to rugby union and joined Leicester Tigers as defence coach in 2021. Off the field, Kevin is known as Super Kev for his incredible efforts to raise awareness of motor neuron disease, inspired by his close friend and teammate Rob Burrow. In November last year, Kevin ran 101 miles from Leicester to Leeds in a staggering 24 hours. Two months later, in January, he was awarded an OBE for his services to rugby league, football and charitable fundraising extraordinary career you've had on both on the pitch off the pitch raising enormous amounts of money Kevin what I want to ask you I suppose first of all is you've had so many achievements in your life in your career kind of looking back now given what you've done what would be your the thing you're most proud of out of all of them well firstly thank you thanks for having me on it's a real honor I'm a big fan Louise of everybody who's been on BBC Breakfast and been a part of what they've done, the way they've supported people with MND has been wonderful. So it's great to be on. Oh, well, you know what? It's been an extraordinary, I mean, I'm not there now anymore, but, you know, I still watch it, obviously. And it has been kind of an extraordinary journey, I think, for everybody involved, hasn't it? What you've done, what your friend Rob Burrow has done, what Doddy's done. It's been extraordinary, hasn't it? Yeah, it has, yeah. And, and that probably answers the question. The last, the last two years, the last 18 months, has been incredible because I, I love playing rugby. You know, there's nothing that can fill that void of being out on the field with your teammates and going through all those different ups and downs that you face as, to, as, as part of being part of a team. And then suddenly you're out of it, you retire. But the last 18 months has given me a chance to get back with the team, mm. albeit for very, very different circumstances and reasons, but it's felt exactly the same, if not better, because... We had no expectations whatsoever when we set out to do both challenges. And they're both very special for different reasons. But for it to do what it did, it's just been incredible. And, and we've all come away, and I've used this term a few times, but like Redibrek, man, because we've all got a little warm glow in our bellies that actually we set out to do something for a friend. And it turned out to be far bigger and far greater than anybody could have ever imagined. And the hope, the awareness, the funds we've been able to to push and drive has been wonderful you mentioned friend and that's watching it um, from my point of view was one of the most touching things was the very deep friendship you have with rob but just as teammates as well it's really special to see yeah we were part of a special team louise and we played together for 15 years so almost from being teenagers young teenagers we joined the club and, and i'm two years older than rob 
So it wasn't until I was like 20 and he was 18 that you start to build a friendship. But we sat next to each other in the dressing room every day for the next 15 years. And that group went through so many ups and downs together. You know, we were pretty successful, won a lot of trophies, but but that covers up a lot of those tough years, those barren years when we didn't win anything and those tough cup finals when you come away and you've been beat. When you've been able to spend a lot of time going through those intense parts of your career together. And that's a great thing about being part of the team sport. You're sharing so many good and bad things that you have an unbelievable bond. And that's what that group has. You sometimes learn more, don't you, from the bad times? Yeah, absolutely. I think of that team we played in the first couple of years. It was a real struggle. A real struggle and, and the club was a sleeping giant and needed awakening and so many other people had tried, so many players before us had tried and then it was thrown in the hands of some some young kids who started to really believe that we could go on and do something special and, and thankfully we all stuck together and we came through and it's been an incredible journey and you sort of go full circle and think, right, we've all finished now, we've all gone our separate ways. But it's wonderful when we see each other because everybody's got that glint in their eye and they know that, you know, you remember those tough training sessions, you remember those tough games that, you know, you probably shouldn't have gone on and won on those tough moments in dressing rooms when you're getting a rollicking and someone starts giggling and those daft moments. Oh, like, do they? Do they yeah, start giggling? Yeah, I'm a terrible giggler. Yeah, so it's, it's like, <laughs> you know, it's like being that five-year-old in primary school when rugby training rooms are, are exactly the same. But when we, when we meet up now and we see each other, there's that glint in our eye. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to go and see Rob last Thursday, try and go every couple of weeks. And mm. especially every time I go, because he has that big smile and the glint in his eye. And every, everything we stood for as a group is, is what the last couple of years have been about. Was it because you were a team that you were able to push through those tough times, do you think? and get to those incredible peaks and joys and, and wins that you had? Is it the team that, that did it? Yeah, yeah. And then within the team, some incredible individuals as well who were mm. highly motivated and driven, wanted to improve every day, wanted to be successful. But, you know, to be able to do that and not have any egos within the group. And it's amazing what can be achieved when, when nobody cares who gets the credit. And sort of the group knew that, you know, I was the captain there for 13 years and that meant, Dan was a lucky one who lifted the trophy, but never for one minute did I or anybody else who were part of that team think that they could have done it without each other. Wow. So 500 appearances for Leeds Ryan is probably more than 500, isn't it? I'm just kind of, I want to talk to you a little bit about the physicality of it, because, you know, this is a tough game that you were playing. How do you stay in that, you know, to be, how do you stay on? How do you stay being fit? How do you stay being able to play uninjured? Uh, good preparation. It will be at the heart of it, but you need to be durable to play rugby. Uh, yeah. You need to be durable to play lots of sports. You need a whole whole host of luck as well. So we need to be, you need to be durable. And then if you look after yourself properly, if you get your diet right, you get enough sleep, you train properly, it enables you to, to have a long career for those who are very lucky. Mm. Some people aren't so lucky because injury, illness, being out of form, coach may not like you. But thankfully, you know, I, I stayed clear of any major injury. I got on with more, the vast majority of my coaches. And I, I suffered lack of form like everybody else, but there's always been a desire to prove people wrong. And 
come through those tough moments and that's probably when you got the best out of me. Interesting. So for people who are listening, who are like, you know, and I call myself, what would I call myself? A trying average athlete. What's their takeaway from someone like you? I mean, I heard hard work. I heard luck as well. I'd probably describe myself very similar to you, actually, Louise. Would you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I've said this a million times, but I can remember being an 11-year-old watching a Challenge Cup final, which is the equivalent of football's FA Cup final. Now, we, we were fortunate Massive. enough to play. Yeah, fortunate enough to play before it. The schoolboys, Southern schoolboys played Dewsbury and Batley in the curtain raiser. I remember being sat in the crowd afterwards watching this final and thinking, I'd love to do this for a job. And at that moment, I'm 11. I thought, right, I'm going to give it everything I've got. And if I'm not good enough or I get injured or I don't get picked or whatever it is, I can look myself in the mirror. And that's probably how my career has been. Never at one moment did I think, I'm here, I've made it. I always knew that there were far more talented players than me, but I don't think there'd be many who were more committed. And that's what sort of hung my heart on. And, you know, it was probably six out of 10 in most facets of the game of rugby. But when it came to commitment, it was probably an eight or nine. And in sport, attitude and commitment goes such a long way. And, and for those who want to stay for more than 12, 18 months, who want to have real longevity, you've got to have a great attitude. Otherwise, you don't stick around. You remind me of that quote, which is hard work beats talent. And I don't mean in that in a rude way, Kevin, by the way, at no, no, all. I, but I agree. I agree. Would you? Would you really? Yeah. Uh, look, uh, the fascinating thing is, I, you know, even as a schoolboy, there were so many brilliant kids out there who were my age group and all other age groups. But certainly I saw firsthand how good players were and for whatever reason didn't or weren't able to make the next step. For so many of them, I looked at them with a great deal of regret for them because they missed out on so much. For whatever reason that was, you know, if they'd have shown a little bit more commitment or if they'd made a few better choices throughout the time, it may have been very different for them. And that's probably one of the things I'm, I'm pretty proud of with my career. I tried to squeeze everything I could out of it and yeah. I, I probably did. Um, and I got loads of stuff wrong and made lots of mistakes and failed at all sorts of different things, but I never stopped trying. Yeah, and that's so massive. I mean, you can see it in what happened in your career. What about the transition from rugby league to rugby union? I mean, how did that, was that something you imagined you might do? It's something I always, always wanted to do. I think because of the size of the international game, being a rugby league player and, and looking at it with some envy, of yeah. the big World Cups, the Six Nations or Five Nations as it was back then. Always wanted to play a second professional sport. So when I got the opportunity in the last year of my career, I jumped at it. Always with a view of learning and exposing myself to an environment, cultures, and trying to grow. And then to get the opportunity to go and do it again. I mean, I joined last August has been has been brilliant. It's, and, and Rob's been a big, big driver in that. You know, taking some risk, taking yourself out of your comfort zone, not being happy with being unhappy. I went on unhappy in my job and I thought I've got to do something about it. So I did. And Lesser Tigers, I mean, what was the response like? They, 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 I know they're behind you, right behind you. Oh, it's been wonderful. You know, Steve Borthwick, the head coach there, sold the club to me and probably wasn't quite sure how big a club they were until I joined. 
the staff have been incredible. I've made some like unbelievable friendships in the short time I've been there. Like friends for life I've made, and and um, and then the playing group. I've I've never met a more hardworking group. They just they just want to get better every day, and to go into an environment that's like that has been brilliant. And what can you do? What do you bring to the party? I mean, what is the you know? Because there are so many. There's so many. There are similarities, but there's so many differences, aren't there? Yeah, um, I just try and be myself, and I think you have to be in life. If you try and be somebody else, you're certainly not going to be very good at that to start with. But I, I knew that I had so many gaps in my knowledge. Yeah, you know, I, I understand how to play rugby league, and someone disagree with that, by the way. But I feel <laughs> I understand how to play rugby league, and I know the sport. Yeah, but there are some areas where there are a lot of similarities between the game, and then there were so many differences and. I could never stand in front of them and pretend that I knew something. So right from the start, I've been prepared to say, I don't understand it. You're going to have to translate it across from What me. don't you understand? Give me an example. I mean, there'd be about a million things that I wouldn't understand. Yeah, so. just, just a, a lot of the penalties. A lot of the penalties right. that are given in and around the breakdown or in and around the rook area, I'm still baffled. In and around the scrum, still baffled. Lineouts is like another language. So um, you take the scrums, the lineouts, and some of the breakdown parts out of it. You've probably got rugby league, actually. But um, yeah. you take all those bits out of it, and I have a general understanding of what rugby is and what it should look like. This, this is going to sound mad. So I played my first, but I didn't play a game. I, I went, and went, went to rugby training for the first time in my life about three or four months ago. Oh, my gosh, it's such fun. Such fun. I totally understand. I mean, I wish I'd done it when I was 16. I would have loved it. Most people like diving in the mud, don't they? Yeah, I love, you know, I love tackling people and pushing people out, you know, whatever. It's, yeah. it's really fun, but you're right. It's really fun. And so is that, has this been an exciting time for you? Yeah, very much so. I think daunting as well. Certainly been out of my comfort mm-hmm. zone. Probably far too more uncomfortable than I would have liked at first. The first couple of weeks, most people know when they start a new job, you know, there is some excitement and you want to get cracking. But then I didn't know anybody. So just going in cold didn't really know the sport and was relying on, I suppose, the rest of the coaching staff to help me. And then the club, the players to welcome me and take it easy from me, on me at the start. And, you know, once you get those first couple of weeks out of the way, I've, yeah, I've really enjoyed it. It's interesting, isn't it? Because you come from somewhere where everybody, everybody would have known you, wouldn't they, at the Rhinos? Every single person. Yeah, I think so. But, but I've been there since I was 13. So exactly. It's not, so it's like yeah, your family, isn't it? Yeah, you become part of the furniture. And you know, I still love the club. So, you know, I, I really hope we... I was, I'm going to say we because I still feel part of it. You know, I'm a past player there. But I really hope we go on and, and win trophies and continue the success because it's, it's a wonderful club. And what's your ambition for the Leicester Tigers then? Tough question, that. I suppose the group just want to get better every week and want to yeah. improve. The next challenge for us is to try and be better at weekends. So I think you want a big, bold statement, like we're going to win this, we're going to win that. Yeah. Look, we'd all, we'd all like success, we'd all like some trophies, but ultimately, I think to create an environment that is one where people can grow and improve and feel comfortable, but also uncomfortable at times during the training, because it needs to be if you're going to get better. Uncomfortable, meaning what? Pain, sacrifice, right. something that's unpleasant, that probably we, the vast majority of us have to go through if we want to get something. And I say the vast majority because there's always some exceptions to the rule. There's always somebody who is 
an absolute superstar who it seems just just to happen for them. But the vast majority of us have to graft and work. And so it's about pushing, pushing the edges, pushing physically and mentally. Yeah, definitely. Oh, you have pushed yourself. <laughs> I mean, let's talk about the challenges, right? These have been so. We'll start. We'll start. Well, should we start with seven seven marathons in seven days? First of all, yeah. Ouch. That was so enjoyable. Was so enjoyable. <laughs> that was not what I was expecting. It was. It, it was like like because it did. About a month before we announced it, on about the time we announced it, I did a three and three because we were told that was the best training for it. And I did it in Saddleworth, where I live. Yeah. And I did it over a Friday, Saturday and a Sunday. It was wet, it was dark, it was cold. I was on my own and it was horrible. I remember starting the second day getting sort of five or six K in at the bottom of a big hill, thinking to myself, what are you doing? It's Saturday afternoon. It should be sat at home like everybody else is now watching the rugby or the football or whatever it is people do on a Saturday afternoon. And I was out starting the second marathon and I'd never run back-to-back marathons. So it yeah. was new for me. Anyway, when I got the three done, I thought, right, well, I think I can do the seven. And then when we started the seven, we had a couple of mates running. We had some mates on bikes. And then you got more. And then you got more. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, well, it, it went to a certain point where we ended up with about 10 of us, but because of COVID, it were really Yeah, I know, because of restrictions. Be and, yeah, 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 so yeah, yeah. It, it felt very different. But then as it started to grow and gather momentum over the seven days and you could see the money totting over and we'd hit the target after day one or day two mm-hmm. and it, it was just really enjoyable. It was, honestly, it was like, and, and actually having a, a week to be part of the team again, you had four hours of running every day and then 20 hours to get yourself fixed up and get yourself back to normal so you could then run again the following day. So Yeah, not every not one of us can do marathons in four hours. I mean, that's in itself pretty impressive. And then to do them back to back. Yeah, we loved it. We loved it. I, I felt like, I felt, you know, I felt really privileged actually being part of BBC Breakfast then because we, you know, like everybody else watching as well, you know, I'm conscious that, you know, we're all a big family and we felt like we were kind of doing it, not doing it with you, but we were definitely part of that journey. Yeah, and, and that's what, what happened day one. We we set off from the pub car park that we... I remember. From, yeah, five out of the seven mornings. And as we set off, we got 40 grand fundraised. They were chucking it down. It was freezing. And we're like, well, have we bit off more than we can chew here? First of all, can we get them done? And secondly, was 77,000 too big a target? And then you get the first day or two over with, you smash your target and you're going, well, let's try and enjoy this and... We finished day five in Leeds and Rob turned up sort of emotionally. That that was big for all of us. And I got home sort of that night or that, that afternoon. My wife said to me, God, you look shattered. I'm like, thanks. I've got another two today. We got up the next morning and we drove across to Leeds early. The weather was as bad as it had been. My knees, my Achilles were sore. We had not slept at all. And we set off. And we got, as soon as we got the sixth one done, I thought, yeah, but seven's going to be a breeze. And the seventh one were just, were just enjoyable. Just out for a run with some mates. This podcast is brought to you by Wattbike. Push your performance this year with Wattbike. Whether you're training for a sportive or simply want to get fitter, the award-winning smart bike, Wattbike Atom, could be your perfect training partner. 
With integrated gear shifters, real ride feel and gold standard accuracy, this is the ultimate indoor bike to kickstart your indoor training. You can measure and track your cycling performance on the free Watch Bike Hub app and get real-time feedback on your pedaling technique too. Expertly crafted and designed in the UK, what bikes are tough enough to withstand elite athletes in training while beautiful enough to sit in your own home. Discover how what bike can help you reach your goals this year. Just head to whatbike.com. So t- talk us about the next one as well, because it was 101 miles, wasn't it, in yep. 24 hours? And I'm interested in so many things about that. In the breakdown, first of all, because you broke it down. I mean, and that's a brilliant way of getting through events, isn't it, to break things down. So you break it down to what, 7Ks? So it was based on, I was trying to think of what came next after the 7 and 7. You're trying to find something that's different that'll get people behind it again and but actually be able to involve more people. And if you're running 100 miles, you're never quite sure where you're going to be. So there's checkpoints, where are they? How fast are you going to run? Yeah. So the starting point was... Um, a race that you guys put out on your website. I say you guys, BBC. Yeah. And it was Big Dog's Backyard Ultra. It's a race in America. It's a 6.2k loop on the hour, every hour. And whatever you get left is your recovery time. So someone in someone had done 72 hours of it. Imagine running 72 hours without any sleep and just like, just keep going and keep going. So anyway, I'd, I'd seen this and I thought, I wonder if we could do 24 hours of it. Because that's, I'd just started at Leicester. I'm like... I don't have, I can't get a week off work. Let, let's see if we can get 24 hours to do this. And then you do the maths and you work it out and say, right, where, where can we run from? It works out about 100 miles. Your wife said, well, how far is it from Leicester to Leeds? Why don't you do that? So I'm like, yep. Type it in Google, work it out. Yeah, Seriously? It was, it was just short and thought, here we go, we've got it. So then the route got planned and off we went. You run 7K and then have a, what, like a mini break or how did it work? Yeah, we start. We sh- we wanted to start every hour on the hour to make right, it really okay. simple for everybody. But due to yeah. TV, we started at eight forty, so which was fine. I would rather it had been eight forty-five or eight thirty, but eight forty it was. So at eight forty, we started the first one, ran seven k. Let's say it was forty minutes, and then a twenty minutes recovery. Right, so you'd have that as recovery. Gosh, I can see this is hard. Two minutes before we set off, we rang a bell, or we got somebody from the MND community to ring the bell. Finish that 7K, get you 20 minutes rest or they ended up getting shorter and shorter, these rests. And, and that's what we did with the 24 of them. It actually ended up being 104 miles because we got lost twice. So I'm, I'm kind of getting the impression that this was really hard. Yeah, it was tough, yeah. So what, what I did is I prepped for it. And because I started the new job at Leicester and there's a lot of travel, time for training has, has suffered so getting enough chances to do long runs. And then when you think you're going to run for 24 hours, how do you best prepare for it? Now, I ran London the start of October, marathon. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And we're marathon fit. And we decided to, to go with the day because I knew it a few days to get it done because the fixtures at Leicester. And decided to do something similar to when I'd done a 7-7 seven and, seven and doing a 3-3. Three and three. I thought, I'll do 12 hours of what we're planning. So I got up at 2 in the morning Set off at three in the morning from my garage with my mate on his bike and did 12 hours of 7K on, the rest of that hour off. Like, people must have thought we're mad around here because they'd been like, what is he doing, this bloke? What is he doing again? Yeah, he's going again. (laughs) So um, we did 12 of them and actually felt great. Really? Not not these 12 off. 
I was tired, but I weren't, I weren't done. And that's the first time I'd gone over marathon distance. So you think yeah. it ended up being about 50, about 50 miles, 52 miles, something like that it was. I felt all right. And then when we come to do the event, did some testing up at Leeds Beckett University who advised we should run at different pace than what I ran the 12. So slower. Slower. Which in effect... Doubled, not doubled your time, but would made it the runs longer, more running time. Yeah, yeah, more running time, less yeah. recovery. But actually, you'll know yourself, Louise, because you're a runner. If you yeah. change your running gate, yeah, difficult. there's bits that yeah, happen yeah, yeah. to your body that you're not used to. So, I, I mean, I've, I've been run all the different marathons I've done. Like, there's parts of my body that I know that will come on at different times. I've never had a problem with quads. But because we, we ran slower and I shortened my gait, for whatever reason, I had seven hours to go and the quads were just blitzed. So that's um, why it probably wasn't enjoyable as the seven in seven. When you get to that point, I mean, you're pushing your body, aren't you? You're, how do you push through that? Is it you're pushing through the pain or what happens to you? What did you do? Yeah, I, I just went into autopilot, if I'm honest. So up until that point, you know, there'd been a lot of laughing, singing, joking. We yeah. met. The, the people who came out to see her were unbelievable and we spent so much time with different people and families challenged by MND, different stories. Um, but when we got to the last six or seven hours, like I, all I was trying to do was stay alive. I know that sounds a bit like, don't be daft, you, you know. And, and I yeah. wasn't anywhere near dying, don't, don't get me wrong, I was nowhere near, but I was but, mentally but it's your head, your head, your head can play. Yeah, just trying to get myself ready. And, and I knew that when you're sleep deprived, things seem 30% worse. Oh, so I'm told. So I knew that. I also knew that if, if you go into that dark place in your training, and mo- most people who train will know there's a real sweet spot where you get in there and, and it's horrible, but most people don't stay in there for any great deal of time. They might be in there 10 minutes on a really horrible session. They might be in there for an hour. Um, I was in there for between six and seven hours when I knew I was right in the thick of it. And trying to get my head around that at the time, I needed to go into autopilot. And so you switch off your head. What's autopilot mean? Yeah, switch everything off. Right, so switch down the talking, switch down really just so in your he- own space. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. Think of just try and get through each stage. Yeah. And there was never a moment where I thought I wouldn't finish it, but it was all actually, if I, if I think about these next six or seven hours, which you're talking like 42K or 49K, it's a long way to run when you're in yeah. that place. So being able to try and just break it down and go, right, just, it might make you laugh, but one foot after the other, other keep getting the next literally, step. I, I've, I've been, I've been at a point when literally all I can count to is two, literally, because yeah. I count a lot when I'm in a painful place. And normally, you know, on a good day, it's 60. I got, I've been to a place where it was literally one, two, at which point I'm thinking, there is nowhere to go at this point. I've got nothing left in the bank. Yeah. But you're, that's a really important message for people. It's just, break it down to whatever is manageable and the big thing certainly throughout the last six or seven hours was just get to the start line that's what i kept telling right. myself just get out of your chair listen for that bell get ready to go and that's the same for most people like most people who don't want to do anything the hardest bit is turning up the hardest bit is making the start line if you don't want to go to the gym most people know when you get there it's actually not that bad yeah but but the dread of going or the dread of doing something you don't want to do, you can put it off and put it off and it gets worse. You've just got to get up and do it. So first lesson in pushing yourself is get to the start line or get Absolutely. off the sofa or get yeah. out the front door. 
Yeah, that's wow. the hardest bit. Um, so did you learn something in, in those seven hours that you didn't know about yourself then? Only the fact that just how, how amazing the human body can be. So I've been in you know, tough training sessions as a rugby player, but, but never for that sort of amount of time. You know, I've been in tough games, but you know, games 80 minutes long. So I've mm. done some things, run some tough marathons, but nothing where I've been in there that long. So yeah, just how wonderful the body is. And, and just how powerful it is, you know, when mm. there's something driving you in your heart, when there's something that is you really care about and you think a lot about and you know the difference it could make by getting it done. It's amazing what your body will do. Because it comes, what you were doing it for comes from a place of, from your heart, from love, from friendship, doesn't it? And that's a very yep. powerful force. Absolutely. And, you know, you know, you see some really remarkable Things that people do, you know, when someone gets stuck underneath a car, yeah, a seven store man will come out, and lift the car, and remarkably, it's just what your body can do when it, you need it mm. to. And yeah, we run out of friendship and love and respect and just inspiration from Rob as well. And, and I'm going to mention Doddy and Stephen Darby in this as well because I think the three of them have inspired so many people across the UK. And Rob has been so brave opening his front door to the UK yeah. to come yeah. and see how raw and how tough and how challenging MND can be. Whilst he is prepared to do that, then we'll keep running. Okay, so what's next? Are you going to tell us? Because I think there's a plan. Yeah, there is a plan. There is a plan. There has to be a trilogy. Okay, good. Yeah, trilogy is always good. Yeah. When are you going to say? Uh, I don't think we'll release it till August. I think wow, we'll the year. Yeah. Yeah, are you training so... for it now? No, no, no. I'd like to do... Manchester Marathon, start there. Right. Okay, cool. And yeah. then probably try and do one on the 7th of July, which is the 7th of okay, 7th. Okay, 7th, Rob. of course it is. Yep. And nice. then probably start to pick up my running in September. Pick up the running in September. And he's just mentioned two marathons. You train on a bike sometimes as well, don't you? Yes, yes. So tell me about that. So on a what bike? Yeah, been brilliant. So I did a bike challenge actually last March or April, the Yorkshire yeah. Struggle, which is 108 miles. The reason we did it was because it's supposed to be the seven big peaks right. in around Yorkshire. The seven being used again, it was for MD and Rob. Mm-hmm. So I did a bit of training with a mate of mine on the bike. The furthest we got was 30 miles, but we got to do 108 miles. But that's where the walk bike came in. The walk bike's been brilliant. For the distant stuff, you know, when you look outside and it's horrible, I just think, well, I'll jump on this. And then... During the seventy-seven, used it for me to cover it every day. Did you? So what? So you? So you literally get on the bike and do a spin session on the bike? Yeah, just twenty minutes. Turn my legs over and on my hip flexors, free yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. But my last couple of years as a player, you know, like what bikes were just becoming popular. Up until that point, it was all concept two rowers. But actually, off feet training is just as important as the running stuff when you're playing team sport as well. So. The bike was brilliant. Um, a lot of inter- different different interval sessions, Louise, which I still do now. No, I do a lot of like 15 on, 15 off. Oh, on, do you? Off. Yeah, oh, I do a lot, what, seconds? A lot. Yeah. Okay, seconds, fine. Being a retired rugby player, there's some bits yeah. that don't work just like they should. So being able to have a yeah. day off running or a couple of days off running during the week and uh, get on the bike and get a good sweat on. And I need to train. I need to train a better person on a train, so it's been important for me. So you do, um, and the Tigers, they use them as well, don't they? Are you? Do they use them a lot? They're used for a lot of off-feet sessions. 
it's the only off-feet equipment we have at the club. It's been really, really good for players coming back from injury. But also, if you know, you're close to a game or a couple of days after a game and lads need a bit of a touch-up, it's a brilliant way to do it without there being that leggy fatigue. Yeah. Because you want players to feel fresh going into games. So it's, it's been wonderful for that. And and again, they do a lot they do a lot of interval stuff. So depending on what position they play, there's some that do short six second blasts. There's wow. some that do 30 seconds blasts. So they mix it all up. It's you know our, yeah. our head of performance, Alid is a wonderful coach and, and he's done a great job with them. I'm like, I think I'm a bit like what you are. I'm a fair weather cyclist. So if I can train and be fit for the hills when they're sunny, that's a massive yeah. benefit for me. Will it be a bike challenge ever? Do you think you'll do another one of them as well or not? Yeah, I think so. Uh, there'll come a point when I can't run. I know that. So that's why this will probably be, when I say the trilogy, it'll probably be the final big run. Because I'm sort of conscious as well that there's so many brilliant and worthy challenges, uh, charities out there. And... I don't want people to get bored of what we've tried to do. I'll continue to fundraise and, and raise awareness for MND. And on behalf of Rob, we're probably in a different guys, probably do a lot more marathons at sort of trying to do London every year or Manchester every year and, and mm-hmm. try and do it that way. And then bits where we can have something that's a bit more mass participation would be brilliant. And that's why the bike was was really enjoyable because it was about 200 people who did it and everybody understood why our group were doing it and yes yeah, a bit more forgiving as well on your knees isn't it well for me i mean you know i'm a bit, a bit older than you are and yes it definitely is definitely and tell me i mean presumably it's interesting being a runner isn't it and and doing those kind of challenges because there are times like you say when you can't be sitting on the sofa you can't necessarily be at home and you you know there are sacrifices to be made on your behalf, on your family's behalf? What do you think, what do you kind of like, you know, what do you think about that? Yeah, it's tough. The, the, the challenge, the juggle, the balancing act. Yeah. I think if you listen to most people who run marathons or have run one marathon, they'll all tell you the hardest part is the train. Yeah. Actually going out and doing those three and four hour runs are just, they're not pretty and pleasant. And then, even then when you've done that, you get back, you just depleted so your batteries instead of being your Duracell battery being full it runs at 60% for three days and you don't, don't move quite like you should and you don't think quite like you should and so yeah that, that that's the tough bit and balancing that and knowing when to go for a longer run and I, I, I'm trying to get ready for Mar- uh, Manchester now which is 3rd of April and probably haven't run as much as I should still some of the after effects of the 101 mile and work yeah, it's got you've got a job. Yeah, <laughs> and it's different because when I'm at Leeds, I, I won't get up at four in the morning. This one. I wow, is that at, when you're getting up? Yeah, I get up at four when I'm travelling down there and then whilst I'm there, the long days. So then when you get home, you're conscious you need to have some family time and try to juggle that. Well, where does my big run fit in that week? And So it, it is a challenge. It, it's tough and that's where... The, sort of the bike, the bike has been great because sometimes you just don't fancy going a long run, but you sit on the walk bike for 90 minutes and get on with it and get get it done. You're just making me less of a runner than I already am by telling me I can be on my bike. I'd much, it's where I'd much rather be, you know. Yeah. I can't believe I've just admitted that to my actual self. I don't think I realised that. Anybody who's listening to this podcast, and by the way, it's been absolutely wonderful and thank you for being so supremely honest. If they're thinking of sort of pushing themselves, whether it's, you know, running a marathon, they, they might be doing their first 10K. You know, what's your kind of top piece of advice um, when you are thinking of kind of like 
you know, pushing yourself beyond what you think you're capable of. Commit to it, but accept that there are going to be some setbacks because nothing is smooth with running or exercise or challenges. And there's always days when you don't want to go and don't want to do it. I'll go back to what we said earlier about make the start line. But there's some days that you'll pick up a little injury or there's a wedding you need to go to and that's going to affect your big run that weekend. So there's always a way around it with good planning. So, yeah, but absolutely, you've got, you've got to commit to it. You can't, you can't dip your toe in and think you can turn up and just run a marathon. You can't. There has to be some element of training in there. There'll be some people out there who can, Louise. I have no doubt there will be. Uh, but, <laughs> Not but, me. For pe- but for people like me, and I didn't want to say you, but people like you, <laughs> we have to train. We have to get ourselves ready for it. You could always guarantee with me that I've never trained enough. Is that the same for you? It's probably not, is it? I've never, ever trained enough for whatever I'm doing. Probably overtrained from my first marathon. Okay. Yeah, I got, got too close to the distance in my training and probably went, just ran too much and then realised. See, this is what the difference between one. you and me. You're an incredible athlete, top athlete. I'm just a... <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not. I'm a 41-year-old <laughs> middle-aged guy now. I'm not. I'm in, who's trying to cram his training in there at work. I'm going to ask you some real, um, some quick fire questions as well, okay? Are you ready for those? Yep. What song gets you pumped for a workout? Oh, there's lots of different ones, but the one, uh, probably my favourite song is Last Request by Paolo Latini, and we played it a fair bit during the 77. So I'd probably go with that. Who is your motivation? I'd have to say Rob. Rob, Rob at the minute, you know, before that's always been family. It's always been them. Oh, that's so lovely. A best piece of advice you've ever been given? To become a champion, you have to be a champion at home first. What is your most embarrassing moment, Kevin? There are lots of them. During the 100 miler, I had to nip to the toilet, but we had a microphone hooked in the back of the shorts. As I pulled my shorts down, it fell straight in the toilet. Brilliant. Did you break it? I don't think it was broken. The bit that made me laugh about it, though, was they gave me a new mic and the one that had gone down the toilet was handed on to Jamie Jones, who joined um, a couple of stages after. So, so, so it didn't make me laugh. <laughs> oh, that's absolutely brilliant. Who was your role model growing up? Oh, that's easy. Ellery Hanley. And Ellery Hanley, tell me a little bit about them. He was a brilliant rugby league player. Captained Wigan, Leeds, Great Britain. Like Growing up, he was everything I wanted to be. Oh, that's lovely. And nice question is, what is your post-training treat? Because I train, well, I try and train in the morning and get it done. So especially on a weekend, it'd be a bacon and egg sandwich. Kevin, it has been an absolute pleasure you talking to us. Thank you so much for being so honest and giving us loads of advice as well. And I cannot wait to find out what the next, the third in the trilogy is. And I know it'll be hard and it'll probably be harder and I know you've got this because you, you know, your motivation is there, your determination is there, and I shall just sit on the sofa and watch you. And cheer. <laughs> well, you're more than welcome to join us. Well, we'll you're see. more than welcome. But um, thank you very much for having me on. Oh, listen, Kevin, absolute pleasure. Such a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you so much. You're awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to Push Your Peak, a podcast for real athletes who don't know their limits. You can find What Bike on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. To find out more, just head to whatbike.com. And if you like what you've heard, I would love it if you could rate, review, and follow.
This podcast was brought to you by Wattbike. The Wattbike Atom is the ultimate indoor bike to kickstart your training. No matter what your training or fitness goals are, the free Wattbike Hub app can get you there. Check out wattbike.com to push your performance edge.